Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Thursday, August the 5th, and we study and pray the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles with the Psalms, specifically Psalm 7. This is known to be, um, you know, there's a lot of categories for the Psalms, but this one is known as an individual lament Psalm, where David sings to the Lord, knowing that the Lord is a judge, but he is a righteous judge. And we also can feel, and this is one of the realities that we're seeing with the Psalms, is not only for basic information, it's not only for theology, but also we can feel it. We can feel what the writer is saying, what David is experiencing. And today he is needing refuge and he is seeking the Lord for that refuge. And that's what we seek today as we come to our Lord in prayer. So let's get praying. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information on their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's word, we welcome regular guest, Reverend Dr. Gert Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Have we lost Dr. Dieterding or am I losing my mind? So let's uh, see here. If he is not here, then we are going to just jump right into our time in God's word in Psalm 7. As we look at Psalm 7, we are now at our time of uh, looking at the Psalms, which the reason why we're in the Psalms at this time is that when we go between books of the Bible, we went through uh, Nehemiah, and now we are preparing our hearts for Hebrews, which will be next week. On Monday, I'm very excited because we are going to be able to have Dr. John Kleinig on Monday, who wrote the commentary on Hebrews, and he is an Australian theologian and a great man. And so that is something that I'm looking forward to with him. And when we do that, we take a step back, a step back to look at the Psalms, because not only do the Psalms rich in theology, but also they are rich in understanding of when we walk on our path in this life, we need to pray because there are seasons where we can pray with joy. There are seasons we can look and lament. There are seasons where we're able to say, Lord, I trust in you. And there are times that we just have imprecatory or lament psalms. And that's one of the psalms we have today. So as you look at our text, it is a time for us to look at Psalm 7. And as we do so, uh, we will begin our time in prayer, begin our time in prayer. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we gather in your name and we ask that you would bless our time in God's word, that you would point us back again to Christ so that we can understand the scriptures. And as we look at the scriptures today, we ask the question, where is Christ? But we also ask the question, Lord, how can you help us to pray? Um, and to know that you are with us from this day forward. Bless our time, have your Holy Spirit guide us, and point us again to what you've done to for us in Christ. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions, 
concerning Psalm 7, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or if you want to call in, call 1-800-730-2727, 1-800-730-2727. I'm going to ask for our listeners to give me one moment here to make a uh, to make a question to our <laughs> our booth, because I'm not sure if Pastor Dieterney is with us or not. So give me one moment. All right. So as we look at our text today, uh, Pastor Dieterney, are you there? I don't believe he is here. So a reminder to our listeners to look at Psalm 7. And as we look at Psalm 7, it points us to the reality that we are in uh, David's writings. And as I said before, that we are dealing with the, uh, he needs refuge from our Lord. That he needs, uh, there's anxiety here. And he is looking to the Lord to try to help him along the process. And so when he is looking at the Lord for help, we look at Psalm 7, and a lot of the titles will say, In you do I take refuge. And as I mentioned prior, this is an individual lament. And when we talk about lament, what we're talking about is us looking to the Lord and going, What are you doing? Now, this is not a common word that we'll use, which is lament, because a lament psalm, when we say lament, we don't really talk that way in our culture. But a lament is a healthy, I would say, complaint, a healthy grief where we're able to ask the Lord, Lord, what is going on? I need your help. It's the same thing like when you're talking to somebody and somebody will tell you that that they need to um, they need to be able to uh, just get it all out. You know, I need time to just lay out my issues. Don't give me any words. Just let me lay it out and then I'm going to feel better. That's how we see this psalm. That the Lord comes back and says, hey, uh, uh, comes back to us and we are able to just lay it all on them. Just like our children can go to their parents and just lay, lay it all out on the table. So as you look at this, he's looking to have refuge. Refuge from what? We're not exactly sure. If you look at the introduction, it says a Shigeon of David, which he's saying to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. What's interesting when you read about this psalm and you look through a number of commentaries, I specifically looked at uh, Dr. Tim Seleska's commentary on Psalm on Psalms 1 through 50. When he spoke about this, we don't really know the details. Some would say that it's a uh, the, the Shigeon is a uh, agitated lament, like somebody is agitated and they are going to bring this to the Lord. At the same time, it was done for music, some kind of liturgical term. We don't know much about that. And we also don't know the historical reference, because there are a number of times that when we look at the text, that we have a reference that this happened when he sang concerning the words of Cush. Well, what's the problem? We don't know who Cush is. Um, it could be the Cushite, as we look in Second Samuel chapter 18, where they, they brought the news to David that Absalom had died, which obviously would have been a major source of lament for David. Um, uh, but it is not something that we fully understand who this is. So the great answer to the questions of this psalm, of the history and so forth, is we don't know. And, and we don't always have the clear understanding of what is the background, but we do have a clear understanding of what is happening in the text. 
Um, and so let's dig into the text because we can break this down, but I want to start in prayer. So when we read the Psalms, we also are praying the Psalms, which is why it's important for us to take a step back and just hear the words. So I will read this, and now we will understand uh, that we will be able to begin our time in prayer. Psalm 7. O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me, you have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it return on high. The Lord Yahweh judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end, and may you establish the righteous. You who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God, my shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, and a judge who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent, God will, will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head and on his own skull his violence descends. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So as we look at this, and we pray, the question that we ask when we hear the Psalms is, first of all, how does, how does this point us to the Lord? The second reality is how does this hit us? Since we don't know a ton about the history, but we do get a great feel of, of where is David at as he writes and sings this psalm. So let's read the first two verses to remind us that when we hear these words, is uh, we pray them and they also hit us. And how does the Lord speak to us through these words? As of right now, we still do not have Pastor Dieterding on the line. So that'd be another prayer request we have is, Lord, help us to get him back on line. So, but in the meantime, we are in God's word and trusting in him to lead us. So I'll read the first two verses and talk about what the Lord tells us. O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart rending it in pieces with none to deliver. First of all, when you look at these two first verses, it gives us the theme right away. In you do I take refuge. Now, when I think of refuge, I often will think about 
the time you're actually able to relax. It is much like when you have a responsibility to do at work, responsibility to do at home. Um, or for example, when my kids were, were young, my kids are 15 down to 11. When they were really little, the refuge happened when they all were asleep and you're able to just sit and relax. This is the refuge that you feel knowing that your work is done and knowing the Lord is there. It also, as we've said many times in the Psalms, um, that O Lord, when it's capital L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh. It's a personal name for God. So when David writes this, he knows the Lord in a personal way, and he knows he can come to him like a child can go to their loving parents, a child can go to their loving um, grandparents and others in order to make sure that everything is okay. And he goes to them knowing full well that in him he has refuge. Is Pastor Dieter Ding on now? I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can Hello? hear you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, great, great to have you. So let's do this. Pastor, we are on the first two verses of um, Psalm 7, and we'll kind of uh, look at those, if we could look at those for a moment, and then I'll, I'll come back and ask you a few things, what's going on for you. Does that sound good? Sounds good, and I've been able to hear you all the way through this. So, <laughs> so I've heard you <laughs> That's all the good way to hear. through <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. I'm learning as I'm listening here. So there you good. go. There you go. So yeah. as I said, in this first first verse, it right away it starts with David has a he knows the Lord. He knows what the Lord is. And we're going to learn more about what he knows here. But he knows he can take refuge in the Lord. Pastor, when you think of the word refuge or if someone were to ask you, what does it mean that I can take refuge in the Lord? What would you say? You know, when you when you take refuge, you know, I, I can't help but think, you know, the, the, the powerful song of Mighty Fortress is my God, you know, that you can take refuge in a fortress and know that you're safe. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a feeling of protection, safety, comfort, all those things uh, wrapped up into uh, into that into that word, really, um, knowing that. Uh, this is the one who will save me. This is the one who protects me. And I just, I, I really love that word uh, for that reason. Now, as we look at the next part, he, so he says, I take refuge in you. And I like how you said it, protection, because it reminds me as a child, as you say that, you know, there's moments where you knew your parents were there, therefore you felt protected. Now, as a parent, I realize that my parents were probably just as terrified, just as terrified as me. And the problem, the thing was, I thought they were perfectly in control of things. Um, but, but there's, but this is God. I mean, this is not a parent or a, a weak person. This is God himself. So we know we can take refuge. And then we find out a little bit more of why he's seeking this refuge and knows that he can be, because he is being attacked. So he says, save me. Like a lion, they tear my soul apart and, and rending it in pieces with none to deliver. So it seems to me that David has a lot going on here. Any thoughts on his words and what this might mean of what's happening for him? Yeah, you know, obviously there's something that is going on to where David's life is being threatened. And he, and whenever we go back to that word refuge again, you know, there we see the word save and deliver in verse one. But in verse two, and I had mentioned, you know, when we can take refuge in God, we know we can also find protection. And that's what he's looking for here in verse 2, protection from uh, those he knows that can, can actually, you know, his enemies are some something that it, it appears to me like he can't fully see them because uh, he's talking about his soul. He's not talking about, 
Um, and, and it's interesting because he says, rending it to, in pieces uh, with none to deliver. I think that's just really interesting because how he's talking about a soul. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't see the soul. We know that it's the thing that mm. gives us life. That you know is the very central part of who we are um, in relationship to God. It's, it's what God has given it to us as a as a as a blessing, as a gift. Um, but it's uh, that is those are interesting words because we think in the physical, but yet he's talking about uh, something that's deeper than that. That's in the soul. So he's he's definitely, and I think this is something we can relate with when you are troubled, and this is where um, Psalm 6 speaks this way, that you are troubled to the depth of your bones, and you get that feeling of pain, but this one is you're in complete shambles, is what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, that like as you take a piece of paper and rip it up, and there's no way of bringing that piece of paper back together, that is exactly where his soul is at. It's a great physical analogy of something we never think about with our souls is that it is so broken into pieces like broken glass that we cannot put it back together again. Like Humpty Dumpty, I suppose, would be a, a, a connection that we might make in our lives. And that's, that, that tells you the depth of his angst, his infectune, as uh, Luther would talk in German about the, about the despair that he's going through. Any thoughts on that? That's a very helpful idea. No, yeah, no, that that that's a good that's a good uh, illustration actually. I I just you know as we're moving toward the next verses, I mean we we need to realize that he's being pursued, and so mm. uh, that's what lions do too. Uh, so it's all really kind of connected there together that something is coming at him, and he knows it can just tear him apart, and so he's he's turning to the Lord, he's turning where he needs to turn uh, to get refuge, and evidently. Uh, as we move forward, we're going to see uh, what he's being pursued by, or at least we're going to get a sense of that. Now, the other, the, the word, the use of the word lion helps me. I mean, it really makes me think about two things. First of all, First Peter 5, where it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. So we definitely get a feel of evil, of the work of the devil, Secondly, is David's a, a shepherd, and so he knows to take care of his sheep that any moment a lion can come out and literally rend his sheep to pieces, you know, literally to happen. So David definitely uses some personal experience as a shepherd, but also scripturally, it points us to the devil. Um, any thoughts on those two connections? I think it's I think it's that's a great uh, that's a great illustration again um, trying to to help us understand uh, you know David who just like you said is, is like a shepherd um, you know and he he doesn't want to be weak in this situation whatever whatever's happening here he's um, he's feeling as though he's really being haunted and hunted hunted actually down uh, and uh, like a, like a lion hunts. Uh, his prey. Now, one of the things that's very interesting for me when I when I read this and thinking about it is, we really don't have. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'd like to hear your thoughts if I am. Is we really don't have an animal that we are traveling in normal circumstances in any vocation that we have, where we are literally afraid for our lives. Now, I live in Minnesota where, you know, all animals kind of hide because there's a hunting season coming, you know, those kind of things. And but in Florida, you have alligators. I don't know what alligators being equivalent in some ways. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. 
Well, an alligator <laughs> does actually pursue also in a way that, you know, it, it sneaks up on its prey or it just stays still. You know, it's, it's kind of unlike a lion. It'll probably, it would more like just stay still or move slowly until it gets to its prey and then, and then pounces. I mean, it just goes after it, you know, at that point. Um, I've always heard that, uh, the the alligators are one of the fastest land animals in the first 30 feet. <laughs> so oh you don't want to get too close to one of these guys because they will come at you quickly, you know, just in that very first. Uh, but 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 they they kind of they kind of you know hunker down or just kind of lay in the shallow water, you know. So and right. and, it, and they blend in, you know, they blend they in. They got in. that camouflage look, unlike the unlike the lion, which. Uh, really, it, it does pursue too, but it but in a different way. Both are quiet. I have to say that you, you yeah. got unexpected. You know the the whole idea of unexpected. Not sure when that's going to hit. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting uh, <laughs> thought that you shared with us. <laughs> well, and it's it, it, clearly it's it's not the same. And I'm trying to make it sound the same, but it is one of those things where, as a Minnesotan, and you know this, you lived in Minnesota, if you're from the north, oh, yeah. that you go oh, to yeah. Florida and you see all these signs that will say "Beware of alligator," and it it leaves you in this uncomfortable feeling when you're walking in certain areas because you just don't know. And then one time I was in Florida and I asked someone about it. I said, so tell me about all these signs. It says, you know, alligators. And is this an issue? And I remember they hesitated. They're like, well, and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. If you're hesitating, this isn't good, you know. And he was more worried about dogs and all this kind of stuff. But it, but I think we do have a hard time relating with some of this in the text because we don't really have an animal that we're terrified of that will take away our livelihood, maybe and possibly our lives helps us, points us to like Daniel and the lion's den and helps us realize how serious of a situation that was. Um, other parts in scripture as well. So that's why I feel like it's good for us to have, try to think of a way when we feel like we're being attacked, that it's helpful to know that when he says lions, he is deeply attacked, that this was going after his soul, this is going after his faith, that he was scared of all things. And so um, I think that's helpful. No, no, should, should we move on? Now, what a lot of people don't know, and I, I don't want to prolong this any, anymore, but a lot of people don't realize that there is a brown panther that's actually here in southern Florida out in the Everglades. And uh, actually, they're they're you know, a little leery because they're starting to go extinct. So they're – but they uh, – we do actually have something that's like a lion. You know, it's a, a, a brown panther here. So it's kind of running through my head as I was reading this too. <laughs> All right, so not only alligators, folks, but South Florida also has brown panthers, so be be aware. Let's keep moving on. Verses 3 through 5, as we find out more of what David is afraid of or what he's being chased by. Oh, Lord Yahweh, my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. And let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. So he, he goes from just saying that he's being pursued to almost a, uh, one, one commentary put it, a vow of innocence. Basically saying, Lord, if I've done this, and it's almost like he knows he hasn't done something wrong, then Lord, may this, uh, may this be upon me. May you plunder me and take me to the ground in the glory of dust. But he's almost speaking like, listen, I know I haven't done anything, so this isn't going to happen. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I like that um, because it's exactly what it's saying here. You know, he's he knows he's in the right that he has not done whatever it is that he's being accused of because he's being accused of something uh, that he has done against someone else. And he's basically, you know, being bold about it because he knows that God is a righteous God. He's a just God and that he will listen to this kind of a lament when he's saying, you know, I never did it. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you know, brothers and sisters, uh, you know, are in a living room playing ball while mom and dad are out at the time and then the lamp gets broke. Right. And of course they try to glue it back together. And, and, uh, <laughs> then we, then each of them try to blame the other. And then finally the blame comes down on one person that everybody in the room that was there that saw it knows it didn't do this. And so, you know, that, and that, I could see that child going, I never did this. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't see that child saying, but beat me ever so severely. <laughs> right. Being, you know? Right. I don't, see, I don't see that happening. But but that's what he's saying. He's just as righteous as when we've gotten into trouble for somebody else's, um, you know, whatever somebody else had, had done. And, oh, and we good. don't know what exactly this is. All we've got is just, you know, David really lamenting to God to just, um, you know, it's, it's almost like I swear I didn't do this. And if I right. did, then let, let this happen to me, you know? So. I saw one pastor write about this and basically said, what guilty person would challenge the Lord like this? Yeah. And I thought that was a, it was a very profound um, insight. And at the same time, it's good for us to remember that when we talk about innocence, we're not talking about that he has not sinned. I mean, clearly we've seen that in David. Um, but there are times, like you said so well, there are times where, I I have I'm not in the wrong here, and he's able to see the ones who actually are in the wrong, and so he has confidence in the Lord, and we're going to find out more why he has that confidence in the Lord. But we see this in his Psalms all the time that he he knows the Lord is a judge, he knows the Lord is is one that can destroy him at any moment. We see that specifically in Psalm six. I encourage our listeners that if you're um, you, psalm 6 is, is really a, a dovetailing for us today, a, a wonderful psalm that we prayed yesterday. And for him to, he understands who God is, the relationship is sound. He also has this sense of knowing that the Lord is a savior, the Lord is gracious, the Lord is kind. All of this when he says these things. So he does not say it in the sense of, I have no sin, but he's saying it in the sense of, I know how the Lord is righteous and gracious, and I am not in the wrong in this situation. So the relationship is the key as we look upon this. So, Pastor, I want to um, I want to read the next two verses, and then we will take our break and be able to talk further about uh, what David is pointing us to this morning. So verses 6 and 7. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me, you have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you, over it to return on high. As we hear these words this morning, it's good for us to, to be able to sit back and, and think about what this means. He's speaking about the enemies, and he says, Lord, destroy my enemies. How was that prayer appropriate then? How can that prayer be appropriate for our world today. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 7 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding, and we will be right back.
1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church in Jefferson City at 8 a.m. and Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Chesterfield at 10.30, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 7 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding. And Pastor, I want to take a step back from the text for a moment since we weren't able to have an introductory thoughts. Pastor, you've had a lot going on this week and uh, with you and your family. Can you, and reminder to us that here on Thy Strong Word and all of KFUO, part of our situation is that we are the body of Christ, that we are together in this and we all Share and pray for one another. So, Pastor, I know you've had a lot going on this week. Can you care to share that with our guests? Oh, absolutely. Um, so my mother uh, has uh, been struggling physically here in her body um, over these past weeks and months. And uh, uh, just uh, yesterday morning, uh, the Lord called her to glory. Um, uh Around uh, 7.30 in the morning, she uh, was sleeping and uh, was comfortably released from this world to be with her Lord eternally. And um, there's a lot of joy in that, of course, you know, just that she's uh, rid of all the pain and the suffering that she had been going through. And then uh, that she is in a, in a, in a, in a promised uh, eternal life now that, uh, um, that she can be with her Lord. Uh, of course, it's very sad on our end. I mean, we're going to miss mom, but um, at the same time, um, what comes to mind is like First Thessalonians chapter four, uh, you know, verses thirteen and fourteen. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. And I'm, you know, that is the difference really between those who do not know Christ and those who do, is, is that we can celebrate this, I mean truly celebrate it uh, with great joy, uh, knowing that uh, she's secure, you know, she's with the one who can give her refuge in this world, and now she's mm. uh, in an eternal refuge uh, with her Lord in heaven, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing, and we were going to do this at the beginning, um, but we weren't able to, so Pastor, can we pray for you and your family as you go through the next stages of, of grief, but also, as you said, with hope? Can we pray? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that. Thank you. In the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we come to you with hope. Although grief is surrounds us, and we can even um, understand Paul's words that we need refuge. First of all, we, we ask that you be with uh, Pastor Dieterding and his family um, with the loss of his mother. And with that, there is grief, but there is hope because of her faith in you and the hope that we have in the resurrection. That when we say, Alleluia, we know that we praise you, but we say it knowing that he's risen and he's risen indeed. That was her hope and as she is now with you, we ask that you would give hope to the family um, to strengthen them through this time. And that for all of us, that we realize that uh, that that with Christ has risen from the dead, so will we, because you have had the victory. Strengthen him and strengthen his family as we give you thanks for 
his mother and for uh, the way that you worked in her life. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Pastor. Well, Pastor, as we as we continue to look at the Word, we are in verses 6 and 7 that we read. So you see a transition where he goes, Lord, help me. I'm uh, You're my refuge. They're pursuing me. I know that I have not done wrong, but if I have, Lord, take me down. And then he turns his attention to the enemy. It's almost like he turns his eyes to the enemy and says, take them out, Lord. <laughs> take them out right now. They're the ones, you know, put them on into the dust. What is he doing in that transition? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because he's now recognizing that this isn't just impacting him. This is impacting everyone. And, um, you know, now he's putting it in relationship with the entire assembly of the people uh, that gathers about the Lord as well. And so, you know, he, he himself and the people, you know, where he's now calling upon the Lord to, to go up against those enemies and to uh, bring his judgment. And so now's the time uh, we need you to waken up and, and come and, and, and accomplish these things. And it's really interesting um, uh, I know that Luther, when he was uh, in his commentary, when he's talking about this, uh, also brings in Christ and up against the enemies, our greater enemies. Uh, and it's uh, it's interesting to read in, the, in that context, too, as you look at these verses, that the, that the Lord would rise up for us and uh, defeat and, and destroy these enemies uh, that are attacking and so this is very real, and it's attacking of the soul. You know, those those enemies that attack our soul, of course, are our own sinful flesh, the world, um, all of the uh, all the things that are evil that are against us. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting to see it that way as well. Um, and then you know, just that the Lord would come and do that. I, I, I think this is this is absolutely wonderful. This is, this it shows the confidence that David has in his Lord as refuge. I do wonder, because we all, we're, we're studying and praying the Psalms on Sunday mornings here at Messiah Lutheran Church, and I do, one of the struggles I have is to make a connection where we would be able to pray to the Lord today, because I don't think we speak about this very often, that the Lord would take away our enemies. And like you said so well, we, there's definitely a connection of our own need to repent, which we'll hear about in, in, in the next uh, number of verses. So yes, we need repentance. We need death of the old Adam. We need a resurrection. Um, but also, it, it seems to me that there are times that we can pray for our enemies. Obviously, we pray for them. But then there's times we say, Lord, you take them. You do with it as you will. And I, I'm my thought and question for you and for me as I'm struggling with this a little bit is, what would be a situation that we would say that this is an appropriate prayer for a good Christian person to pray? Any thoughts on that? And it's a tough one, but I, I, I'm looking for your wisdom. Well, I think, I think, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it does feel as though the Lord is not in our midst, you know, that, right. that um, he has forgotten us. He's forgotten where we are. And especially when we pray and we pray pretty much for the same things, or we, we pray with an expectation that God will answer in a favorable way, according to my will. And he answers differently. And he doesn't, is he even there really hearing what I'm saying? Is he, is he coming to my, to my need? Because he's really calling, calling the Lord 
uh, to be gathered really with his people as his people gathers about him as well, too. So it just shows our dependence together as a community, not just uh, individually. Um, but we can go we can go individually in prayer and we can depend on each other to assemble to be uh, there in the midst. I can't help but think of you know, and Jesus saying where two or three are gathered, there I am among them, there I am with them. And so, um, yeah, I think there's some, mm. I think there's a lot to be said here about. Here's a good question that we got via email that if the devil is our enemy, do we ever fully plunder him? Because that's kind of the language that's here, where it says, you know, plunder the enemy. Um, if the devil's our enemy, do we actually ever plunder him? Which I thought was interesting. Any thoughts on that question? Well, we, I, I don't, I don't envision that I can do that on my own because that that right. that strength and that power comes from the Lord and from Him alone. Because uh, I mean, one of the very reasons why Christ came into the world is to uh, is to take care of the, the the plots and the schemes of the evil one on our behalf because we we don't uh, we're not always uh, we don't have an instant protection but it but it it causes us to trust in the lord even more and to go to him uh, even more so and that's what all the psalms are really about is is the, the going to the lord constantly looking for his uh, grace his mercy giving thanks to him for it it, it they're all prayers and all songs um, showing that kind of uh, relationship that we have that depends on him to do those things, which we are unable to do, including that of plundering the double. Right. And that's, and that's a hard part to understand is, you know, the battle's never done. You know, this is why we sing, fight the good fight with all your might. You know, mm-hmm. Christ is your right and Christ, you're, you're right. And, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because the battle will always continue on this side of eternity. Do we, um, keep away the devil? Do we beat the devil? Yes. Um, by the word, Ephesians 6 type of language. But you never fully mm-hmm. destroy it because Christ has the final victory on the devil. The devil can no, you know, cannot do anything to us. Yesterday in Psalm 6, Pastor Matthew Worm talked about how really we can laugh at the devil because he has no authority over us. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to continually coming after us. Um, and so I think that's a, a good distinction. When will that happen? Final resurrection. That's when the final plundering will happen. But in the meantime, um, he is just like a snake on his belly that can't do much, but yet sure can cause a lot of issues, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Very good. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, verses 8 through 11. The Lord Yahweh judges the peoples. Judge me, O Yahweh, according to my righteousness. And according to the integrity that is in me, O let the evil of the wicked come to an end, and may you establish the righteous. You who test the minds and the hearts, O righteous God, my shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. So here he establishes that the Lord is judge. He's a judge over all the people, but he judges differently. Because I think of a judge, I think of a guy or a gal wearing a black, you know, a, a black robe, walking in. Everyone stands up, kind of in fear, because what are they about to say? What are they thinking? What are they doing? And there's a fear that this could turn out very badly. That's the kind of judge I think of, um, but it kind of describes them differently. How would you look at these verses? Well, I mean, I look at him as as um, 
you know, taking out the garbage. I mean, he wants, he, he's asking <laughs> the Lord good. to get the evil out of his life, you know, get it out of here and establish the righteousness that, that I have in you. Um, he calls it my righteousness, but we watch that uh, with that whole that whole understanding of what my righteousness is in, in relationship with the righteousness of God, which comes, of course, through Jesus Christ and the work that he has done. So that would be my righteousness, and he sees his righteousness, I'm sure, the same way that God has given him this righteousness that can overcome uh, so that the evil and the wicked that comes uh, in, in life can, can once and for all be taken out, be, be brought to an end. And so it really is, you know, a continuation of what um, he was already uh, asking the Lord to do in verses 6 and 7. And it's interesting in verse 10, it, you know, it says he judges the people. He does so according to his, to his righteousness. So it says, if you judge according to my righteousness, well, we have no chance. Um, but David definitely is speaking as a man of faith, that when we do have faith, we are able to better understand um, uh, our relationship with the Lord. That That is a righteousness that depends on his righteousness, not our own. And then in verse 10, and I think this really represents it well, my shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. And according to what I've read, because I mean, we can, we can, if we dig too deep into that, we realize that my heart is not upright. Um, my, right. my righteousness right. is not great, but it talks about the shield which we have in faith. Now, what's your thoughts when you see that word shield is with God? What, what, what power does that have for you and for this text? Well, I can't, I can't help but think of those words about, uh, you know, guard our hearts and minds. You know, that there's mm -hmm. this shield, this protection again. You know, going back to that word protect, um, that's what's really being uh, talked about, I think, here. Um, you know, I, I, I like to kind of look at that uh, that one segment there in, in uh, verse 9. I did have a little bit of an opportunity to uh, uh, look at what um, Luther had said concerning this psalm, and I found something very interesting, the, the, where it says, you who test the minds and heart, you, may, may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and heart. Um, translation, uh, according to Luther, it's heart and kidneys. And I found that really interesting. And here's, I just want to just share this with you because I found this really, really interesting how God searches our hearts and our inner being. You know, so it says heart denotes acts of reason like meditations, inventions, speculation, understanding. Kidneys denote emotions, appetites, cravings, desires. And briefly, God is one who searches hearts and kidneys. That is all thoughts and feelings. Kidneys are specific organs of carnal pleasure. Therefore, the saying is the spleen laughs and the kidney overindulges. I oh found my. it so, so interesting. I mean, that's so different <laughs> than any other commentary I think I've oh ever my goodness. seen when it comes to uh, translating what's going on here. But he's talking about our inner being, you know, what's inside. Again and again, he's using um, our physical, you know, physical parts, and sees that the heart that way, but but connects it to the things that are unseen, you know, our carnal desires, our our um, our mind, our our imagination, what we think. Uh, so uh, test that, 
And I, I, I'm wondering if this is even going back to the wrong that he's been accused of. You know, all of that, you know, that, that, that can't be seen. Uh, it can only be speculated on because somebody has accused him of doing wrong, and he's still got this going on in his heart and mind. God is searching that heart and mind. He should know, and he should see, and he wants anything that would ever be evil out of there. And uh, that's kind of how I, I, I've looked at this, and I found that very interesting, just that, that commentary from Luther. Yeah, that is definitely different than anything I read. <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> Luther definitely put, puts it out on the table um, because it, it it gives you that feeling of not only what David is feeling, but this feeling of verse 11 where you have God who feels indignation every day. And indignation, we don't right. really talk much in our culture, but that anger, um, and it's mm-hmm. almost David lamenting that, well, you know, God's a shield, God's a righteous judge, even though he's angry at all this stuff, but yet he's fair and he's honest. It makes me feel like Jonah, where the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh is because he know the Lord would be righteous with those crazy people, you know? Um, right. And so he's right. almost, David's almost lamenting that I know the Lord would be fair with these people. I know he's going to be righteous with these people. And I just kind of want evil to be gone. I'm so sick of this surrounding of evil and the lions and everything attacking me and so forth. So it really is, this is where you get the de- designation of it being an individual lament, is that we are we're frustrated sometimes how gracious and loving the Lord is, even with those who don't deserve it. Of course, we have to remember ourselves. But that's the kind of feel I had on that. Any thoughts before we move on? No, I, th- I, I think you're right on. I think, uh, <laughs> you know... He's he's basically saying, you know, test the, the minds and hearts because you can see where the, the evil is. You know where the righteousness is, where the righteous is uh, in our lives. Um, so, and then he's 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 saying that he recognizes this is the God who saves, um, and he is his shield. He's uh, his righteous judge, um, and of course we know as God's people now that Christ has come that. Our righteousness is the righteousness that comes through what he has done for us, of course. And we keep moving forward. We'll, I'm going to read 12 all the way through 17. We have about eight minutes left of our time this morning. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. I will give to the Lord Yahweh the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of Yahweh the Most High. Now, 12 through 16 brings up a lot of things that we could we could really reflect on. First of all is re- the importance of repentance. Um, and, and, Pastor, if someone were to ask you, what is repentance, what would you say? Well, repentance is, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I've been uh, studying some of the texts going forward, and I'm actually reminded again of how uh, repentance is like, uh, you know, being turned inside out, you know, being able mm-hmm. to take what's inside that's e- evil and wrong and against God's will and getting it out and exposing it, putting it out there. Um, of course, all of us have, have, have taught as pastors 
the meaning that we commonly hear, and that is to turn, is to turn, you know, turn away from our sin, to turn toward the one who is righteous, who can can rid that sin from our lives. And so that's what we do in repentance. We turn to the God who uh, is is actually indignant every day toward our sin, you know, and one who can actually uh, free us from that sin, forgive us from that sin. And so in mercy, I mean, in, 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 in fear and mercy of God, we come before him, we confess our sins, and he who is righteous will forgive our sins because that's his promise, and that's what we hear in his word as well. And so as we look at, so we got repentance, you know, this idea of God's gift of being able to turn from our ways and to follow his way. And then he, 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 he explains God in a way that we don't always think, that he has his sword ready, he's readied his bow, he's got his bow and arrow out, he has his deadly weapons, fiery shafts, and all of this. Um, God is ready to go. I, this is, I mean, this is language we just don't use, but it does show us the wrath of God that can come. Um, and so yeah. what are your thoughts on that? It's something we don't think about very often. Yeah, I mean, you know, what David is doing is he's using a power image of the day. You know, everybody knows what this looks like. And so he's using, again, something physical to show God uh, what God looks like and what God um, what God is in relationship to those who are wicked and evil. Um, he's going to take care of business. He's going to make sure that it's uh, it's gotten rid of, that it's destroyed, that, you know, that he makes short order of, of David's uh, enemies here. And, of course, we, that's what we hear next, you know, who is this, the one who is wicked, and uh, what is God preparing to do? And we get, and we get to hear what uh, David is hoping that God will do with any wickedness, and especially any wicked person, Maybe that's the, the people, maybe he's accusing those who are uh, accusing him of wrong, mm. and maybe he's uh, thinking of those folks um, that God will take care of them, you know? Uh, if you want to act that way and you want to continue to be persistent in your lies, uh, believe me, God knows what's right, what's wrong, and he'll take care of it. <laughs> that's, like, it's, that's, it, the, oh, it's... that's the imagery we have here. And I like his language when he speaks about the evil one is this idea of being pregnant um, that, it, excuse me, where is it? Pregnant with mischief, pregnant with give mischief. birth to yeah. lies. I mean, you can't be half pregnant. You know, you're pregnant or you're not. And so <laughs> right. he's bringing some very good law here to remind those outside of faith that this is who you are and those inside the faith to remind her of the, the depth of God's grace, that we are literally pregnant with mischief. But the Lord has had been grace upon us, and so we pray that we repent, and we pray for repentance those outside of the Lord. And so this is this is what's in store without Christ, right? This is what we have, is a God who is wrathful with bow and arrows, ready to take us down. But on account of Christ, he has taken that wrath upon himself, which for us, hopefully, leads us to want to live that holy life. Any last thoughts before we get to verse 17? We have about four minutes left. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have some thoughts here on verse 15, which follows mm -hmm. on the heels of gives birth to lies. Um, uh, my, my father, you know, on occasion uh, would say, are you lying? <laughs> and I would uh. say, no, I'm not lying. And I would tell him whatever I'm lying about. 
And he goes, so I see you're going to continue to dig the hole. You know, and that's what this is saying. He's digging a pit. He's digging it out. He falls into this hole that he's made. And, uh, you know, that I remember that imagery that my dad used to use with me. He says, do you want me to go and give you the shovel? Because you may as well start digging, you know, because, you know, you're already doing that with your lies. So, um, you know, you're just digging yourself a hole. And you're going to just end up in that hole if you just keep it up. So turn around and tell oh. the truth. So, and I, it, was an Im- right. it was imagery that I know a lot of parents use, you know, you, you're just digging a hole for yourself. So I like that. That is a like great that way. Because, yeah. That is a really good way to put it because you do hear that, 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 that saying, you know, you're digging yourself into a hole. Well, that's exactly what he's saying here is that you dig it exactly. and then you fall into it. So stop digging the hole, you know, <laughs> just repent. Uh, it's full, move forward in a different direction. Oh, that's so good. I didn't really think about that as we said it. But verse 17, with about two minutes left um, here, Pastor, he ends it with almost like a complete turnaround. He shows everything that is there. I'm sick of evil. This is why when we took at 2 Samuel 18, when he gets the news of Absalom's death, you can feel that he wants vengeance. He wants them, he wants other people to feel the pain that he's feeling. And at the end, it's almost like this, this complete turnaround. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing his praises. What is that turnaround? Um, I don't know. What, 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 how would you explain that, quote, turnaround in that last verse? Well, that, that turnaround is the fact that, yeah, I, I guess I don't see it so much as that, but that he's still recognizing where his righteousness comes from, where who the real one, who the, who the most righteous and just person is is or, or god is i will give the lord the thanks due to his out there's more emphasis for me on the thanksgiving the singing of praises for god being god the refuge the strength as we saw in the warrior image and mm. my hope the one in, in whom i put my full trust in to protect me to guide me to make things right and just even when it comes to my enemies oh that is good now pastor as we look at this psalm when and to wrap it up, about a minute left, is how would we, if someone were to ask you, I have this Psalm seven. When should I pray this Psalm? What would you tell them? Oh, I definitely would be praying this Psalm whenever you feel that that evil is really coming in on you, and especially when you feel that you have been wronged, um, and and you know it, and and you know that God knows it as well to turn to him and to ask him for his strength, that, that the evil will be exposed in whatever the situation is, where you know that um, it, it's all pointing at you, but you know that that evil is actually somewhere else uh, out there, and it needs, to be, it needs to be taken care of before others are hurt, others are separated from God, because and, and, that's what evil does, and that's what sin does uh, before, it, uh, it, before it gets so bad that it actually kills relationships, kills kills us you know so those would be the times i think that this would be a good one when we need to really take refuge in god especially when we feel that that evil is is uh is is being shown in our lives which really is not fully there as it as it as it uh, is being as we're being accused of it pastor curtis dieterding of zion lutheran church in fort myers florida helping us to pray god's strong word from psalm 7 Pastor Dieterding, the Lord bless your family this week um, with your mother's passing, but also thank you for being our guest. Thank you for your prayers, and uh, it's always a joy. Always. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. It is our Lord who is gracious. 
He allows us to lament the evil that surrounds us. We ask for the gift of repentance and know that in us is nothing good, but we have the Lord's righteousness. Keep praying for the Lord is gracious, he is kind, and he is a righteous judge. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.